Sid for Wednesday, January 14th. I'm Tim McAuliffe. He's Sid Sixero. And we are live on TV and radio. What's with the grin? Um, Got a nice right. grin in I'm, the face. I'm off to a flying start here. Not only did I freeze, uh, it's Thursday, and I wrote Wednesday on that. Ah, so crap. My, I that's so two for, I'm two for two right off the bat, was, so my apologies. <laughs> I was <laughs> going... I, I turned into... First off, you can't turn into the anchor man and blame it on you. That's... That's completely on me. Uh, well, I read well, Wednesday. I know it's Thursday, even though the days bleed into each other. I did see a couple throwback Thursdays in IG, and I should just know better. Well, these things happen. Sorry about that. But it, and it's fair. Like, I mean, we're all going through, what, meltdown number 45 along the way here. So if you happen to go through them live on national TV, it's okay. It's <laughs> fine. Stop it. Hockey Central hit the air at 6.30 p.m. Eastern ahead of the Capitals and Sabres, which you can see on Sportsnet and Sportsnet 360. You can listen to our final 30 minutes, which will feature Brian Burke on Sportsnet Mm -hmm. 590 The Fan. And you can also stream us on the uh, Sportsnet app. So there are other ways, even though we are not on TV for the final hour, to get us in the final hour. And the Sportsnet app and Sportsnet Now are wonderful ways to do that. We got Berkey. Might want to join us. Might have some things to say. Uh, we've also got Kenny the Jet Smith coming up. Can I ask you a Go question ahead. before we get? Did Berkey have the third best hair or the third worst hair on the panel last night? What are you doing? But never mind. Okay, move on. 15, just... We're about to burn through 15 straight minutes if we start <laughs> on this discussion. You know that. What are you doing right now? No, I'll say this before we move on. Hold on. I'll, uh, before you move on, because you open the door, I will <laughs> say this. I will say this. BX's lid, mm-hmm. number one. Because, like, even it was like taunting the other lids because that one curl sometimes would come down and then it mm-hmm. wasn't there because you could tell he ran his hands through his hair like in a break or something or someone yeah, from wardrobe or makeup came pissed me off. Like, BX, hands down, had the best hair. Merrick's hair, which is a little longer than normal, was pretty yeah. damn good. I'm going to say Merrick had the second best hair last night. Look at BX. Look at this guy. Are you kidding me? The hair's grow. You can BX. see the hair grow during the show. Kevin BX. Merrick's hair was good. Off. Right. Uh, he's so you good. You let right? me just he's, say he's that so he good. pisses me off. I heard you. He's a good piss- he pisses me off, too. Merrick's lid, solid. Because that's the longest I've seen Merrick's lid in a long time. Burke's right. coming up later in the show, so I ain't saying nothing about him. <laughs> You're so soft. Put it, you can roll that again, guys. That's a great roll. Anthony Stewart has not changed at all. I think he looks the same. I don't mean this as a rip. I think he weighs the same. I think he's the exact same dude. And so Anthony Stewart's a, Elliot Why did Freeman. Why weigh second? No reason. Elliot Friedman <laughs> looks like the stepdad that's brought home that's called Jeff. You know what I mean? Elliot Friedman looked like mom's boyfriend. <laughs> And don't tell me he doesn't. He didn't do something to dye that thing. That's ridiculous that he did. I love Elliot Freeman deeply. Saying on Twitter that he did not dye it. You believe that? It looked different. (laughs) (laughs) No, but to your point, his his style was. I don't know what the hell he did. Like there usually is a little flip at the front of Fringe's lid. It wasn't there. You're correct. It was different. 
Can I be honest here? I feel like, other than getting mad at Bieksa for how good his hair is and or Kyle Bukowski's, I have to politely step out of this conversation. Why is that? I don't see, well, I don't see, I don't see where you're coming from. I can, I can criticize people for a full head of hair because mm. I'm remarkably jealous and a waste of hair, but I'll do neither to Frege. Berkey's got, like, it's like a trademark. Like, that helmet is a trademark. You can't, you can't really change it. That's his thing. If you, th- if you think about it, really, he, he did have the best lid. Like, if you come at it from a different angle, mm-hmm. Berkey has the best hair. Because Berkey is not a young man. He'll be the first to no. admit it. This isn't a rip. But a mane. Like, a mane, yeah. a, a mane of, ha- yeah. of hair yeah. on top of Berkey's lid. Berkey doesn't have to yeah. do anything. He's Brian Burke. He can do whatever he wants. Just looks good. So that, get, that garners all our respect. But, but wait a second. You never played in the NBA before. <laughs> wait a second. You never played in the NBA, but you know full well what Kyrie's doing is unprofessional. Like, you don't have to play in the NBA to comment on that, right? You know that, and I know that. So why can't you comment on hair? Because I think people will take it with a grain of salt when I bring it up, sitting here with the shiniest eight head on television. I think you can comment on people. I think it's fine. Mm, Paul, at Tim and Sid, can Tim comment on other people's hair? Yes or no? That's it. I don't know if we want to... I don't, I don't know if we want to open this can of worms. I think we did. Overall, though, listen, uh, strong first night. Strong for... Oh, yeah, hold on. Let's go time. through the rest of the show. Sorry, we didn't go through the rest of the show. Good, Kenny the Jet good Smith. Show. Yes. Brian Burke, as Tim said. Uh, also, George St. Pierre, not only one of the greatest speaking MMA fighters of all time. Speaking of speaking hair. Speaking of hair. <laughs> you're in for a surprise if you haven't been on social media today. George looks a little different. He'll be joining us later in the show in the second hour. Um... We're gonna we're gonna talk. He has an initiative with with Budweiser. We'll talk about that. But also, obviously, his future. He's thirty nine. Tim and I will get into what's next for George because there's always a George St. Pierre rumor. He last right. fought in twenty seventeen. There's always a rumor. Well, Khabib got brought up today. Khabib Nurmagomedov. Not only with us, but earlier in the day, Stephen Brunt talked to Dana White. Dana's in Abu Dhabi getting ready for some cards. So Khabib and George were brought up today. They're in the ether, and. We, I'm, I, I won't divulge any more, but you're gonna, if you're an MMA fan, if you're a GSP fan, you're going to want to see and hear this later. So that's, that's yeah. how I'll leave it. If you're any sort of fight fan, you're going to want to hear this. Uh, George mm-hmm. St. Pierre, a little later on. Uh, this is a jam-packed show, so let's get to it. Starting with opening night in the National Hockey League, Sydney, and it did not disappoint. Listen, I love hockey. I grew up in a hockey family, but I'm not the hockey is always great no matter what guy. I'm going to be honest. Last night lived up to the hype that we gave it yesterday. I know it didn't turn out the way that the folks in Edmonton and Montreal may have wanted, but if you were a neutral, man, this was a lot of fun. A season unlike any other with an all-Canadian division. Montreal and Toronto. The iconic rivalry. Game on. Gregory pass for Tatar. Scores! Two-goal Montreal lead. Wayne Simmons dropped his glove. Newcomer coming back and said, okay, our bench needs a spark. Ruan looking for Petrie. Burke gave it up. Scores! Jimmy Vesey has his first big league goal. The game is tied. And these two teams will play for a bonus point tonight. Away goes Tavares. Got Riley with them. Morgan Riley, game winner. 
welcome to the North Division. What a way to start. It doesn't get much better than this. The Vancouver Canucks and the Edmonton Oilers. Here we go. Tanner Pearson with a chance in close. And they score! Niels Hoaglander, it's time to hand out the sweeps. That is his first NHL goal. Pedersen who finds Besser, and he's in. Besser with a shot, and he scores! Second of the night. The regular season is going to have that playoff-type atmosphere. Ten times they're going to play each other. It's going to get real good. Just the first of 10 between them both. Leafs beat the Habs 5-4 in OT. Canucks beat the Oilers 5-3. What did you think of night number one in the North Division and the National Hockey League? Man, it's um, I know it's the common take today, so forgive me if I sound a little repetitive. But the fact that we're going to get 56 more games of this with those four teams last night and... The other teams that haven't gotten going yet, I know Winnipeg and Calgary get going and the Sens get going tomorrow against the Leafs. It just, as you were watching it, to me, I just got more and more excited at how much more we're going to see of this. And this is truly one of the most special seasons you're ever going to see. I know it's under duress. I know it's under incredible circumstances. But to get this, I think, is, is the small gift that hockey fans deserve across this country. And it was just tremendous to see. It was the familiarity of just even the music between the, mis- the, the whistles, Tim. Like something that simple. I really, I kind of really liked, right? I really enjoyed it. And just to, um, and even, and not just the little moments, but the bigger moments in, in having Joey Moss and John Muckler uh, remembered last night at Rogers Place before that game as well. And I don't, listen, big picture, I don't have a, a, a lot of takes other than I like it a lot. And and I can't wait to have more of it tonight. What I, what, you what? Like it? I like it a lot. Sorry, I that's what it. I meant to say. Yeah, I like it a lot. <laughs> What's uh, that it's reference? A, Hold on, it's that's like Dumb and Dumber. That's, that's that's Dumb oh, and Dumber. Right. No, yeah, I like it a lot. <laughs> Who hasn't seen Dumb and Dumber? I saw Dumb and Dumber too. That was a mistake. I was on a plane. That was a mistake. But uh, it was just great, Tim. Your thoughts on opening night before we kind of dive into these these games individually? What what you make of it? Uh, I thought the same. I'm going to be honest with you. It just it felt good. It felt, listen, I know uh, there's a state of emergency in Ontario, and there are a lot of other bigger things, uh, many other fish for us to fry as a society, but to be able to turn that on last night and just kind of get lost in it, it was um, amazing. So uh, I would just echo what you thought. So let's let's jump into these games. We'll start with the early one. Uh, William Nylander, three points, two goals. Josh Anderson looked pretty good in his Habs debut. He had two goals. And then uh, Johnny Tavares sets up Morgan Riley. Overtime winner for the Toronto Maple Leafs. Um, when all was said and done on game one, what was your biggest takeaway? Um. I think my biggest takeaway is, and Sheldon Keefe kind of went down this road after the game with the Leafs specifically, and you can, you can bring this to, to the Habs as well. I, defensively, I don't know how we can look at these teams until at least like eight to ten games in. Like I don't, I don't, I feel icky trying, because my, my, my knee-jerk reaction to the Leafs is, well, congratulations, you won another game playing a style that will get you nothing in May. Congratulations. But that's ridiculous. No preseason. First game of the year. Like, I don't feel right doing that. As much as I've done it in the past, and still may do it this season. I don't feel like I can do that now. So that's my first thing. Secondly, and I know, listen, Wayne Simmons went out there and did his thing. And every guy in the room that was asked about it afterwards, Tim, said basically you changed the game. And it was it was good to see on the Leafs side that happened. Because they, they really, for five years, have had 
I shouldn't say five, maybe less than that, have had no one who even wants to go down this road. And even when you got a guy like Wayne Simmons going down this road, you still have an episode late in the game where Ben Sherratt and Shea Weber are using Matthew's lower back as target practice on cross checks. Like there's still an element of people taking liberties with the Leafs and like Wayne Simmons is going to have to do some work here and some other guys are going to have to join him because there's still an element of we don't respect the Leafs and we'll just hammer away at Austin Matthews because no one's going to do anything about it. So they're going to have to get that mentality out of the opposition's head. Um, I just thought it was an entertaining hockey game. Um, I don't know what to draw individually from each game. Josh Anderson looked great. He's going to fit into this rivalry fine. Are you on the Willie Nylander hype train already, Timmy? Because I, I, that obviously took off from the station pretty quick. Well, that, let's be honest here. The William Nylander hype train started last year. Yeah, true. Like, this was my my beef when the William Nylander trade him right bleeping now, as if he's uh, on Slapshot, uh, was at its height. It was that usually young players get better with age. Not all of them. Not all of them, but usually young players get better with age. And if you look at his numbers last year, what was it, 31 total? In a shortened season, it's pretty nice. And you saw what he's able to do even from the periphery. The problem is when you have too many periphery players, you start getting pissed off at those periphery players. But this is hockey. And you're going to have to have a little bit of everything to get by. And what the Leafs had was a lot of the same. And that's what pissed off their fan base, but it was irrational. Because William Nylander is a good hockey player. And I think you saw that last year, and he's off to the good start. What does that mean? I don't know. But it means that he's a good young hockey player who can score 31 goals in a shortened season. Um, I thought, and the other part of this is, and listen, I'm, I'm not professing to be some sort of hockey rocket surgeon here, but the John Tavares setup, the John Tavares game is so understated that people don't appreciate exactly what he does on the ice. And I thought that was in full evidence on the game winner. And the subtlety of, listen, you're going down on a two-on-one and a three-on-three overtime. I know that there's a lot of open space. But if you watch Tavares on that two-on-one with Morgan Riley, he has this subtle little move to sell Carey Price because Carey Price is one of the best goaltenders on planet Earth. And not only does he sell the subtle move, but the little sauce over, like the defenseman played it near perfectly. And Tavares' little sauce over to Riley after the sell to get Carey Price to have to commit, it was just understated brilliance. And I think that's a great way to describe John Tavares' game. And as I was watching that, I was thinking in my head, I've thought of that. I know players are taught to do that. And about 10 of them can pull it off. And I know it was open net goal. And if you don't watch it closely, you don't see the subtleties. But, man, did I love what Tavares did on that goal. And the only reason Tavares had a chance to do that is Philippe Deneau had maybe the worst breakaway I've ever seen in my life (laughs) at the other end. And Morgan Riley, to his credit, he brought it up after the game. Riley got kind of caught on the pinch, which will happen three on three. It's fine. But Deneau... I don't. I, he he didn't know what he was doing on that, Timmy. I, I that game should yeah. ended there. Anyway, fun game, entertaining. I'm not drawing huge conclusions. That was good stuff. I liked it. By the way, when when Wayne Simmons uh, signed with the Leafs, he joined us on Tim and Sid, and uh, I stopped him when I heard him say that he brought functional toughness. 
Like, bingo has been called. Like, is that not like that was the debut that David Clarkson wanted to have with the Toronto Maple Leafs, but didn't because he got overzealous, jumped the boards, and went after John Scott. Like, Wayne Simmons squared a guy up, asked him to go, went. That guy got near knocked the bleep out. Simmons gave him the ability to get up because he's got respect and mad respect within the game. And turned to his bench and let's go. I don't listen. The two power play goals the Leafs got after it also helped, and the two power plays that they got after it three penalties called total. Yeah, the three penalties called total had a lot to do with that too. Absolutely. But Simmons doing what he did, I thought, man, when I stopped him at functional toughness, is that not the epitome of what he was talking about? Functional toughness, for sure, for sure. And I guarantee you, he made episode one of the Amazon Prime series. For those who haven't heard, the Leafs and Amazon Prime, they're, they're shooting a documentary, All or Nothing. That's the title, All or Nothing. Yeah. Uh, I so, so I guarantee you, Wayne Simmons, in that pretty cool move to the bench after the fight, he gets an episode one. So congratulations, Leafs get their two points. Uh, late game, Dave Tippett already on his Oilers uh, yeah. after a 5-3 loss. And I thought this was really interesting. For those who didn't hear it, count the names that are called out after the Oilers lose game number one of the season to Vancouver. Larson made a poor uh, read on the first one. Cass made a poor read on the on the fifth one. Uh, Caleb Jones made a poor read on the one where uh, Yamamoto and, and Drysaddle overskated the blue line. Those are just, those are puck play, puck play errors compounded by Poor reads for players, poor mistakes by players to lead in grade A chances against. And those are the ones, if we want to be a better team, a harder team to play against, those are the ones that have to come out of our game. (laughs) Game one. Tim, I'm not kidding. Sheldon Keefe last night sat there, and the first question he was asked was defensively, obviously not the game you wanted. And And he paused. And Sheldon Keith said, "Listen, it's the first game, no preseason. I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna nitpick yet." That is the complete opposite of the clip you just ran of Dave Tippett of the Edmonton Oilers, who saw that basically for uh, like a, a three quarters of a season and one short round against Chicago, and he's already had enough of it because he he is. It's just so interesting how both those coaches, whose teams have that Achilles heel, <laughs> yeah, and it's a I big one, say, yeah. uh, like how, how they reacted to it. I found it fa- – who, who, who overreacted and who underreacted more, in your opinion, Keefe or Tippett? But I was going to say, like, when, when – wow, we all know that the Edmonton Oilers' Achilles heel is their defense and their goaltending, and to be good this year, they are going to have to have some sort of defense and some sort of – but the Leafs are the exact same thing. Exactly. I think it's a hap- I think it's a happy medium, and it's also a uh, you better know your team well. And I think what you got there from both coaches was them knowing their team, and Dave Tippett thinking I'm gonna I'm gonna hit this hard immediately, and Sheldon Keefe saying I'm gonna ease into this because last year it got ugly early. Uh, I would agree with you. I mean, no one's more happy than the Oilers that they're playing tonight again. Nobody. They want to get out there, right. and, and McDavid on his birthday, pointless, and he nearly had one at the end. It just went, it just hit uh, Braden Holpe's back and stayed out. Like uh, McDavid will have a big night tonight. Maybe not guaranteed, uh, was, but you have a feeling he'll have a big night tonight. 
It was a big night on Sportsnet. Uh, Wednesday marked the most watched NHL opening night in Sportsnet ever with uh, 6.6 million viewers tuning in. Uh, the Leafs averaging 2.1 million. That is now the most watched regular season game ever aired exclusively on Sportsnet. 1.1 million uh, watched the Oilers and Canucks late game. And it was the most watched doubleheader in Sportsnet's history. Bill Daly kind of laughed at me when I suggested he's going to get a call from a Rogers executive. Do you remember that? <laughs> Bill Daly yeah. last like earlier this week, I can't remember. He said, "Yeah, we're you know we have regions and we got to respect him. He is going to get a call, I guarantee you. And and this person's going to be serious on the other end because the the numbers you just put out there, Tim. Maybe it's not those numbers specifically. I don't know how different it is with multiple markets in play in this country constantly every matchup." Well, oh, doctor. Let's let's be honest here. We also need the Canadian teams to prop up the American teams. But I digress. Uh, a, vi- <laughs> a very you're laughing because it's true, right? It's true. It's true. It's true. Oh, no, um, Arizona matters. Though. Arizona matters. A very classy move by the Edmonton Oilers, who went out in uh, all of their jerseys with the name Moss on the back, Joey Moss. Awesome to see. Very classy from Edmonton, and you would expect nothing less. Uh, Anything for Joey. The uh, documentary about Joey Moss will play 8.30 p.m. Eastern on Sportsnet 1 ahead of the Canucks and Oilers. So that's 6.30 local in Edmonton. Anything for Joey, Sportsnet 1 ahead of the Oilers going right back out there against the Canucks and we'll see this is this is going to be this year Sid where everyone gets the chance to go right back at the same team right correct correct and 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 in a weird way Winnipeg gets that shot tonight against Calgary as well they've had to wait to get this other shot at the Calgary Flames Mark Shifley has had to wait to get this shot at, at, at the Calgary Flames I Tim of all the rivalries in this country in this North Division the Scotia North Division um, underplayed. The, the heat on that is going to be intense. That's on Sportsnet West regionally tonight. That is going to be something to watch. I'm not saying it's going to be insane, but um, Paul Maurice did nothing most, to temper expectations when that injury happened, and I think I think there's some long memories there. Long memories. The most underplayed rivalry in this country is Flames and Jets, considering what happened in last year's playoffs. I am right there with you. We've got some sort of word on Kyrie Irving. And did the Houston Rockets give the Brooklyn Nets not only the East, but the favorite to win the NBA title? Kenny the Jet Smith is going to join us next. Sixero makes a face not necessarily agreeing with me. Brian Burke in about an hour from now. And if you're a fight fan, if you are a Georges St. Pierre fan, Because I don't think when George hit his height, there were people coming from every corner of Canada to watch MMA. You're going to want to watch at 6 p.m. Eastern time when he joins us. But coming up next, it is Kenny DeJet Smith. We'll have this conversation that Sid gave me the uh, the evil eye on. Next, right here on Tim and Sid, (laughs) Sportsnet Radio and TV. I'm going to turn my microphone on because it works better Sorry, when it's Tim. on. I had to, I had to Mir- put your video up here. Sorry, I would have jumped in. My apologies. 
Mere Moments, Kenny the Jet Smith, George St. Pierre, and Brian Burke, jam-packed show. Sid and I, I think, I think we've done a decent job attempting to represent the complexities of Kyrie Irving while others have rushed to their hot take. That said, Sid, I still have one question for you. Mm-hmm. Well, she sneaks around the world from Vietnam to Carolina. A sticky finger filter from Berlin down to Belize. She'll take you for a ride on a slow boat to China. Tell me where in the world is Kyrie Irving. Irving, watch your back. <laughs> There's about three guys there that need to get like put through the tables. Oh, we need to put that video out. That, that video oh my is God. unbelievable. Where in the world is? I mean, Sean Marks, GM of the Brooklyn Nets, apparently knows. He won't tell us. Won't tell us when he's coming back. But apparently, he's talked to him. Kenny the Jet Smith. We can talk to him from inside the NBA on TNT. Kenny, how you doing, man? I'm great. Hey, Kyrie. Hey, could you pass me my? Um... <laughs> oh, hey, guys, what's up? How are you? You've, you've known where he is the whole time, <laughs> haven't you, Kenny? <laughs> yep, he's you. Just hanging out with you. Kenny, if you had a teammate, if you had a teammate um, <laughs> that just kind of left, and obviously it would depend on the reason, but with this level of secrecy on it, what would your reaction be? I, honestly, I'd be concerned. Because, like, we all know... And no matter what happens in your life, you know when the NBA season starts, you know when it ends. You know? You know what your job is. And to not be available during the time of your job, knowing that you have all year to do everything else, and, you know, he didn't, they didn't go to the bubble. I don't think he went to the bubble. Uh, he did, he, they he went did to the bubble, but he didn't go. So this I would be concerned that this is something really serious because, you know, we're playing in December. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, there's nothing, there's nothing else that is going to happen. Like, nothing. Like, oh, no vacations. There's no nothing. We're all, we're all in family, friends, associates, business partners, agents. They all know where you are during the NBA season. There's there's two sides, right, right, and there's and there's two sides to what Sean Mark said, who is the GM of the Nets, and he said that Kyrie's absence was absolutely a factor. At least Woj is reporting that that Kyrie's absence was absolutely a factor in the Nets deciding to go ahead with the trade. And on the other side, there is the he's going to be happy to come back. My my concern is with his teammates and his coaches, like. Once you get past that concern, Kenny, is there an explanation needed? And as I said earlier, like, listen, we, we give the complexity of Kyrie Irving enough, uh, enough time here on this show. We understand that he's an intelligent dude and he's trying to do a lot of things right now. But do the rest of his teammates, are they owed a, 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 an explanation and his coach, you know, 10 games into I'm his sure career? He will give that. Uh, yeah. yeah. He's got to give that. I mean, he's coming back to a team that he's, you know, left. So he's, I'm pretty sure he's going to give his teammates, if he hasn't already, you know, an explanation. 
um, about why he is and what he's doing. Because we all, they all feel, I think at, at there's certain points in everyone's life where we feel this isn't bigger than, this is bigger than basketball. And I'd rather be doing this than doing what I'm doing. You know what I mean? Even though I'm getting paid handsomely. You know, so we all have felt that at some point in our careers, our lives. So you're not feeling different from us, so we really would like to hear the explanation. You know what I mean? So I, I'm sure he has to give it because there, every player in the locker room has a moment where they feel like he's felt. Kenny the Jet Smith of Inside the NBA on TNT here on Tim and Sid. Kenny, but have we, have we again, not knowing all the details – to be fair, but let's say he comes back. Let's say there's a, there's a, there's a COVID related suspension. He'll come back in uh, 10 days. Is there not already a fracture there between the Harden Durant, I Kyrie thing. If Kyrie does show up again, like does like Kevin Durant, the look on Kevin Durant's face post game last night on the regional broadcast, when asked about Harden, you could, I have never seen him smile. He won MVPs in the finals. He won championships. I've rarely seen him smile the way he did when somebody postgame brought up James Harden. And he said he wasn't going to comment until the trade was official. But he was grinning from ear to ear. Do you not think already in that trifecta there's going to be an issue if Durant's lost some trust here immediately with number 11? No, I just think that he has trust in James Harden. Like. The guy's been the MVP of the league. You know, I mean, as great as Kyrie has been, he's not the MVP of the league. You know what I mean? So this guy's been the MVP of the league that's coming to your team. Uh, I don't know. That there's not many other two guys who've won the league MVP playing on the same team at the same time in such a short span. Like, so I, that's where that grin. I, I would, I would grin. I'd be like, it, it, it would have nothing to do with Kyrie. It would just be like, I have. Are you kidding me? You gave me the guy who two years ago won the MVP, and I'm coming back, and I won the MVP the year before. Like, and I still have – oh, no, it's a wrap. Like, that's how I would be thinking. So, I, I think that we might be over – sometimes you can overthink what the Kyrie has to do with the other. But um, I don't know where the fracture would come from. The only fracture will be the reasoning. Like, so whenever that comes out, we, I think we all will be able to read into, and that's our job, is to read into situations. You know, okay, I get it. That's not going to make them fractured because, wow, that was really serious, and we didn't know that. Or that was like, wait a minute. That wasn't serious enough to miss that many games and, you know, be in that mindset. Most people wouldn't have done that, and those guys have probably felt the same way. That can fracture so we have to really wait. If they ever explain it. Now, if they never explain it, then they're just going to leave it open. But <laughs> if they ever explain it, you know, we're going to be able to read into it pretty quickly. You know, and, I, and you know, for me, I, I have never done that. And I won't. And it even solidified because, of, you know, this is the extreme of it. A great, a really good friend of mine was Chadwick Bozeman. And he never told anyone, never told any of us what he was going through. Never. Absolutely never. He went through the Black Panther, did movies, did 
or never said anything. And we were like, and then people were online. We were like, oh, my God, this guy's losing his mind. He's losing weight. And then we, we find out. So right. we got to wait. I've learned to wait because of that. Good lesson. Good lesson. Yeah, perspective is oftentimes expensive. Um, in the middle of all that, Kenny the Jet Smith, who is joining us, said that's a wrap, uh, referring to Kevin Durant's idea of adding James Harden. Uh, I said before the break, and I got a little bit of an evil eye from my co-host. And growing up in New York, you may have met a few Italian guys who told you about the evil eye, uh, Kenny the Jet Smith. But that that evil eye uh, was. I don't know if they're the favorites to win the NBA title. They might be the favorites to win the East. Where do you think James Harden puts this group? Well, it gives them the favorite to win the East. Because as good as they were before James was there, they weren't big enough to dominate the positions all the time. They were skilled enough. Kyrie's skilled enough to dominate his position. You know, but he is not always big enough to dominate his position. So, like, Jordan was always skilled enough, but then he was big enough, too. You know, like, you know what, I'm not shooting the ball well, but I'm just bigger than you. I'm faster than you. I'm more athletic than you. Like Durant. Durant says, sometimes I might not be shooting it the way I want to shoot it, but I'm seven feet and I handle the ball. I'm big enough and strong enough to get by him. Now with James Harden, he's that other guy. Some nights when James isn't shooting the ball well, he's like, no, I'm just bigger and stronger than you. I'm going to get to the rim and get to the line. Like, I'm better than you. It doesn't matter. I'm just bigger and stronger. So, to me, the greatest players in the world have those, has that attribute. James has that attribute that, you know, now added to Brooklyn that it wasn't there only with Durant. It was only there with Durant. Kenny, the Jet Smith here on Tim and Sid. Was how much of a bleep you was it, Kenny, for Harden not to go to where Daryl Morey is in Philly? Like I can't help but look at that situation and think to myself, they were never trading him to Philly. They, the Houston Rockets really? were never going to trade I, I, him I only, to the I guy who more, left. Man. I, that's funny. There was it was in my mind. There was only two places he was going ever. Me too. Like from the door. I don't know if we ever talked about it. I was like, he's either going to Brooklyn. Oh, he's going to Philly. He's not going anywhere. And I was like, because this stage in your career and the way James plays, there are only two teams that understand him. Like, that will allow him to do that. And now he's got, either I'm going to have a guy up top or a guy on the bottom. I got D'Antoni on the bottom. I got Murray up top. What, I'm going to those two places if I was James Harden. I was like, I need someone who understands my game so when I go there, I can get the keys to this city. Because if I'm playing with, like you're playing with Kyrie, but Mike D'Antoni knows how you play. So he's not going to just be like, okay, you can't handle the ball like you did in Houston. <laughs> he's going to be like, no. When we were in Houston, this worked. <laughs> like for this dude here, make sure it's a, 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 a match. See, get this guy in the ball in this position right here, and he's going right. to score every time. Like that is the, the value that, Mike D'Antoni brings to Steve Nash, like, it's, it's incredible. Like, the same way Maury could have said, no, Doc, Doc, listen. This is, what ben, this is what Mike ran, and this is when this guy's at his best. you got to put the ball here in his hand. I don't care who's on the floor. You know, 
and to me, those are the only two places that I would have gone. I'm just, I'm just saying it was personal. All I'm saying, Kenny, is I think it was personal. I think all that stuff we were reading yesterday. Oh yeah, Ben Simmons is on the block. Ben Simmons, blah blah. And all of a sudden, boom, eight first rounders going the other way from Brooklyn. I just had a feeling they were playing Philly off Brooklyn the entire time. They were never just going to hand Harden you know, you to the guy who took off. You don't think it was real. I don't think it was real because Simmons was the better deal. I was Simmons made the more sense. You. Why didn't that happen, right? Like, that made more sense. Uh, well, we don't know if that's the real deal. Fair like, enough. Fair I, enough. You, know, just talking to, you know, talking to general managers, like, <laughs> like, some of them I really know and some of them I kind of know. And the ones I really know, we're like, Kenny, no, we never offered that. Like, if, if they offered that to us, we would have taken it. There's no way, man. But, like, it's like trading cards after a while. Like, really, you were going to give me Cliff Livingston for Michael Jordan. Like, and I didn't take it. Not come on. Like, <laughs> like no. Like, it, some of these things are over-exaggerated because it makes the team – who didn't get this great player still look good. Like, hey, we offered Ben Simmons. Eh, maybe they didn't. Or maybe they offered enough picks with Ben. You know what I'm saying? Right. So, it, it, but I have to look good, and this is what I've learned. Most general managers have to look good when they're not part of the deal. Like, right. why weren't you part of that deal? Because as, as an owner, I'm walking in and be like, wait, wait, we didn't get him? How did, how did they get him? We, uh, we've run out of time, so I'm going to need a yes or a no on this, and I know it's really hard, but um, is Daryl no. Morey hit hard by this because of the timing of when Philadelphia wanted their process to end? Like, for me, this could be I got to get someone on the horn and make a deal here and I know that there's a lot of people in Toronto thinking Kyle Lowry. Did this put a ton of pressure on Daryl Morey to make a move to match? Is that a yes or a no? Uh, I think that we've seen that these trades have said there's a lot of teams out there that don't think they're good enough. That's it. Mm -hmm. That's what this this blockbuster deal proved to me. So anyone's up for for trade, you know, uh, obviously – Anyone's available. And, you know, obviously Kyle being a Philly guy is an association, but, you know, would Masai risk that right now? We don't know. Yeah. You know but he is a Philly guy. That he is. That he is. Yeah. He's a Philly um, guy. Never a dull moment this league, Kenny. We appreciate the time, yeah. as always. Say hi to Kyrie for us. I know he's there. Yes, Say hi for us. Yeah. Yeah. And we'll talk soon. He's on in my shirt. He's getting ready for the night. He's on in my shirt. <laughs> Tell him to get off the PS5. He's been on there enough. Tell him to get off the yeah, PS5. No, no, no. Like, I'm on my shirt, man. <laughs> <laughs> Take care, man. Take care. All right. There is Kenny the Jet Smith. Uh, still to come, George St. Pierre, Brian Burke, and uh, Raptors Hornets. Raptors favored by nine. We'll try and explain why next right here. Tim and Sid, Sportsnet 5, 9 of the fan. Sportsnet Television. This is Tim and Sid. Sid Zixero, Tim McAuliffe here with you. Um, again, George St. Pierre coming up next segment. Brian Burke, Sportsnet Hockey Analyst. 
and let's be honest, the best hair on the panel last night nationally in this country when we really break it down. And him coming on has nothing to do with me saying that. I feel that from the bottom of my heart, deep inside my loins. A um, couple of updates, Timmy, as the Toronto Raptors prepare to take on the Charlotte Hornets this evening. Um, the personal reasons tag on why a player isn't playing is uh, could mean, as, as we kind of just talked about with Kenny the Jet Smith, could mean absolutely anything. So uh, don't you can't jump to any conclusions, uh, but the Toronto Raptors are listing big man Alex Len as out of tonight's game against Charlotte for personal reasons. So we hope he's okay. We can also tell you Gordon Hayward of Charlotte, who has been on a heater this season. He has been absolutely fantastic for them. Shooting, Tim, I thought I saw the numbers on what he's shooting from the field. And I had to double check. He's shooting 49% from the field, Gordon Hayward. He's been downgraded to doubtful for the game tonight against the Raptors. He had been probable, uh, but he is downgraded to uh, doubtful. They're sitting here at 2-8, and eight, Timmy. What's a more interesting conversation for you? What Kyle might do going forward ahead of March 25th and that deadline? Because when you brought, out, brought that up with Kenny, it kind of got me going a little bit. Or is there still time, is there still runway here for the Raptors to kind of lean on the small lineup more and Chris Boucher and maybe get some wins where maybe they were losing a few previously? Well, I think the two are intertwined. I think uh, what happened in Brooklyn has put pressure on other teams who think that they need to be competitive right now to get better. And listen, I'm not Jay Williams saying that this is the greatest super team ever assembled because I think that's ridiculous. But they're good, and they're going to be good. And it's going to be really interesting to see what happens with Kyrie Irving and when he comes back to this squad, how they figure it all out because that'll take a while. But the Raptors figuring it out has to come soon. Otherwise, you're going to – and listen, we're not the only ones playing this game the rest of the basketball world is saying, do you get help for Toronto at center to give them a shot here? And I'm not sure what kind of shot you get. But Cleveland's got a bunch of bigs, some of them quality, that you might be able to add. If you got an expiring contract, too, it would fit, and then you still have that cap flexibility. But either you do that or you walk down the road of talking to Kyle Lowry about what he wants to do. And... Listen, I know a lot of people are going to say, well, what are you talking about? This is the greatest Raptor of all time. Does that guy want to finish out his career or finish out this year on a 5-15 and 15 team? You know what? I've been wrestling with that question, and I don't, I don't know. I think it would just, honestly, Tim, it would be the feel inside the room. Because you've, yeah. you've seen seasons where teams have struggled, but there's kids and there's a little optimism. And maybe Kyle wouldn't mind being around that type of environment where he and Fred can teach a little right. on the way out. And who knows if it's on the way out, right? Who knows? Like Raptors could sign him to another one- or two-year deal. Who knows? Yeah, they could. Yep. But if it gets a little toxic, and I don't see that happening, but if it gets a little toxic and Philly's calling, like a guy with Kyle Lowry's pedigree, I could totally see him. Like, listen, could we, could we be in a position at some point this year in the Eastern Conference where we're asking ourselves, who was the more valuable playoff pickup? Kyle or Harden? Like, do you see a day? I'm serious. Do you see a day? Because the James Harden discussion bothers me for one reason. Don't ignore what happened here. You want to pick and choose the MVPs? You want to pick and choose the scoring titles? I get it. I get it. To ignore this 
the seconds at the buffet and the quitting yeah. and call, and saying your team is broken and can't be fixed. And when Demarcus Cousins gets really mad at you because that guy's mad at everything, you know you got a problem. Like I I have a hard time ignoring this. I'm sorry. I know what he's done, but I don't know if that's him. We're gonna find out. It might cost you eight first round picks to find out, but you're gonna find out. And I, if you're asking me if I'd like a Kyle Lowry in Philly to round out a group over James Harden now, some people might think I'm nuts, but I might lean on seven. I might lean on seven in that discussion. The two and eight Raptors at home, air quotations, to the six and six Hornets. What does this world come to in 2021? <laughs> I don't even recognize you anymore. It's the start of a five game air quotation, homestand for the Toronto Raptors. Coming up, we asked George St. Pierre if he's heard about a fight with Khabib Nurmagomedov. We'll do that next, right here on Tim and Sid, Sportsnet Radio and TV. It's time for Real Sports Talk. Tim McAuliffe and Sid Sexero. Thank you very much, Sheep Dog. Sid Sexero, Tim McAuliffe. This is Tim and Sid. Second hour. We appreciate you joining us today, whether it's visually or through pod or live on radio. We always appreciate you. Coming up at 6.30 Eastern at the bottom, Hockey Central is going to take over. They're going to get you set for Caps and Sabres. Caps look really, really interesting as this 56-game NHL season begins. Uh, Tim and I will be audio only for the final half hour. You can catch us on Sportsnet 590, the fan, and on the Sportsnet app. Brian Burke will be joining us in that final half hour. We'll get his take on the Leaf game last night. Was Dave Tippett a little over the top in his criticism defensively of the Oilers yesterday? And uh, what will Connor McDavid and company do in take two this evening against Vancouver, plus a little Flames and Jets. There's a lot of hockey going on. So, again, that's coming up a little later on here on Tim and Sid. Uh, our next guest is so big, you know him by three letters. G-S-P. And you're going to want to stick around for this one. We discuss a potential comeback to the Octagon at length. We're also going to talk about Sydney, his latest initiative, a partnership with Budweiser where he's a part of Team Zero, a commitment to setting bold goals and making smart choices for the new year to help them make the most out of 2021. You can get more info at jointeamzero.com. We are now joined by the native of St. Isidore, Quebec. Mm-hmm. He is not only one of the greatest fighters in MMA history, he is one of the greatest fighters in the history of combat sports. And, Tim, from a Canadian perspective, how oh. would you also describe him? Oh. Like, how would you... One of the greatest athletes that Canada has ever produced. Easy. Period. Doesn't have to be combat sports. Across all sports. And on top of all that, he's got hair, and he's freaking me out because that is this is not the George St. Pierre I have known in the past. we got a lot to talk about. The one and only George St. Pierre here on Tim and Sid. It is always a great time Thank to have you. GSP. Be on the show, guys. It's great to talk to you. We have a lot to get to. You got a, a relationship with Budweiser Team Zero here. You're you're an ambassador. We'll get to that in a second. It's a pretty cool idea, actually. Um, and and we'll get to your future, so to speak. The hair, the the, the hair on top of your head. I'm I'm trying to move past it, George. And I know you you can you could destroy me in my sleep. And I and I will always respect you for that. But I can't move past it. Why do you now have hair at this stage of your life? What's going on? I- 
I, uh, I had an audition to do for a big movie and uh, I needed to play uh, an obnoxious friend. And um, <laughs> they, they, my team suggested me that I needed to change the image to, to, to better chance to have the audition to be chosen. I needed to change the image of the good guy martial artist that I am to, 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 to look like some, somebody else. And uh, when I did it, after that, I had some compliments from different people. Some people liked it. My, my mom loves it. My dad hates it. So <laughs> it, it depends, you know? So I decided yeah. to keep it a little bit longer. I'm not gonna lie. Uh, among the two, like I, I, when I see hair, I think obnoxious friend too, uh, George. I'm not. I'm not gonna. I'm not. I'm not hey, gonna lie, hey, George. But thumbs up for the hair club, you and me, right now. Thumbs up. Thumbs up, George. Feels good. Um, Feels good. Kind of interesting for a beer company to be to be supporting a dry month. So this campaign is about a bunch of things, and I know that Team Zero is also about setting goals and making smart choices. Uh, that doesn't seem to be tough for a guy like you. I mean, at 39 or four years younger than my co-host, you look like you could be on the cover of a fitness magazine. Like, how in the good name of Andre Rassico have you continued to be able to make these great choices and stay in such great shape? Yeah, uh, we did a campaign with, with Bud Zero, but I always train. And people who know me know that I don't drink often, but when I do drink, I drink a lot. So this beer is perfectly made for me because there's zero sugar and zero alcohol, so it keeps me healthy. Yeah, I'm going to write a book I'm one day. by nature, so if I drink, I go crazy. So it's better be without alcohol and, and sugar. It, 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 will, it will be more healthy. George, if I ever write a book, I'm going to steal that line as a title. When I do drink, though, I drink a lot. <laughs> I think a lot of people can 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 attach yeah. themselves to that. Um, just one more thing on the Budweiser Team Zero. It's it's it is a, it's an interesting initiative in that you know it feels like we're all giving ourselves a bit of a reset here as we start 2021. Um, how how are you looking at this new year? And I'm not even talking about professionally. We'll get to that in a second. I'm talking about just personally, GSP. Uh, what are what are your hopes for yourself individually outside of any ring or octagon go, going out going throughout the year? I stay healthy physically and mentally, uh, but I cannot complain. My situation is very good compared with a lot of people that I know. They had to close their businesses and stuff, so I feel very sad for them. And it, break, it breaks my heart to see people be becoming depressed and sad. So we need to stay strong. We need to stay hard and strong. And I believe we will see the delight at the end of the tunnel and, uh, you know, we need to hold on and then stay strong. And don't forget that, I mean, if you, if you study the past, you will know that we're in the period right now, not, not even if you take the average human being, we're in a period that human being has never been as, as comfortable as it is. You know, they, they, in the hunter-gatherer time or medieval time, they, they were very hardcore times, but we forgot about that now. I mean, you know, if we, if we think about what our ancestors have done, and what they've been through, it's like I, for, for certain people, like especially for me, but like it's hard now, but for certain people consider the, 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 what we live to compare what we used to be. But if you take it in a global way, it's, our life is pretty good. You know what I mean? The one and only George St. Pierre here on Tim and Sip. Um, okay, George, let's, I want to focus on, on you here and allow me 
uh, George and Timmy to just kind of jump into it because time is not always our friend on this show. Um, George, obviously, and, and Tim mentioned it earlier, you're 39. You, with the hair, you look 28, but you're 39 years old. <laughs> and um, the question in MMA that has really never left since your Bisping fight is when are we going to see George again? Now, earlier today, one of our colleagues here at Sportsnet, Stephen Brunt, had the opportunity to speak to UFC President Dana White. Dana White's currently in Abu Dhabi. They're getting ready for three huge cards here in about a week. And Khabib Nurmagomedov came up. Khabib is undefeated. Uh, to the layperson, he is the hottest name in MMA. He is walking away after dealing with some personal tragedy. But again, people are wondering when Khabib would come back and fight again. Dana, or excuse me, George, we're going to run a clip for you here. Uh, Stephen Brunt is going to ask Dana about Khabib and his future. And your name came up. We're going to play the clip now. We'll I talk about it on the... Well, here it is. Here it is. We'll I talk bro, about it on the I other side. Fool. I don't believe you. Wow. <laughs> no one's fooling you here. Run it. It's kind of hard to imagine, you know, at, at this stage. I've, I've seen the interviews with George lately, and, you know, he, he's in great shape. He's still working out. But, you know, he's fought he got once. Got a head full what, of hair. Yeah, got a head full of hair. But, you know, he's fought <laughs> once in, what, eight years, I think it is now. Um, is there any way that that, if that was what would get Khabib back, is there any chance that that fight could get made? If tomorrow night he tells me I'll come back and the only fight I'll do is George St. Pierre, it looks like I got to get to work. So we'll see. Again, that was uh, the one and only Stephen Brunt of Sportsnet talking to Dana White earlier today. I, I'm, I'm going to assume that is the first time George St. Pierre has heard that clip. George, um, your initial reaction to that is what? When was that clip? It must be today. Pretty, today. I never heard of it. Hours ago. Hours ago. It's fresh. Really? Yeah. Man, I don't know. I, uh, the thing is, in business, when you make an offer to someone, the offer is need to be taken at the moment. If I make you an offer to buy a car, hey, I'm going to give you 5K or 10K to buy your car. It's right now. If you refuse the offer, you cannot wait one year or two years and say, hey, the car finally that you wanted to buy, I'm going to leave it for, for 5K to you. Think, times have passed, and me, I, I couldn't wait for that opportunity to come. So at one point, I lost hope, so I had to move on in my life. So... I'm not sure about it. I will have to think about it. If so you're saying it was about a year ago that that opportunity was in front of you. That's what you're saying. There's a lot of things to consider. Is it 155? Is it like, uh, you know what I mean? For sure. Could you, could you even train for a fight like that? I cannot train. I mean, uh, right now it's uh, COVID here. The gyms are closed. Cannot even have a friend at home. The infrastructure is terrible. It's like my worst nightmare. Like he, in his, in the, in other end, has uh, all the infrastructure he needs. You know, he's he's taken care. With, he can train with a lot of people. I, I, you know what I mean? Right now, we can't we can't do nothing. I'm doing shadow boxing here and stuff like that. You know, <laughs> I would have to uh, break the the law. You know, and I can't do that. You know, normally when I train, I break. I, I have to to fly training partners in. You know, because it's hard to find a good quality of training partner that can look like your opponent. And 
I don't know. I will have to, to, to think about a lot of stuff. So it's the first time I received the news and it's not good to make a decision, an emotional decision. When I train, I feel very confident. So I'm like, yeah, bring it on. But when I'm home like this, <laughs> relax, I'm thinking about it with more, I'm more cautious and I'm thinking about the pro, pro, pros and cons of everything. So I will have to analyze it because situa my situation has changed since two years ago. Does it excite you to hear something like that though? It freaking excite me, man. But ah, I, I, I don't want to do it, George. George, do it, do it, George, do it. Wait, wait, wait for the situation to get. Listen, man, I've seen you at the Bell Center with that crowd. I know you want a crowd. You don't want to do this Apex stuff. You don't want to go to Abu Dhabi in front of nobody. I know, I know what you've experienced. You've been, at, you've been at Skydome for God's sakes. You sold it out. You want the? I could tell. You're, you're semi interested. It's not the right time. But later on this year, hypothetically, George St. Pierre, if it were a 175 catch weight or something like that, because you're right, the weight is important. You walk around. What do you walk around at right now? What's your weight right now? I wake up in the morning. I'm 183. Okay, you're 183. I remember when you used to walk around at like 200. Khabib is bigger than me. So the only thing is he's a better weight cutter than I am, probably. And I'm, young, I'm older than he is. So, and... That plays too, you know what I mean? You need to know the terrain. It's one of the principle of the art of war. And, and I need to know if, we, if I fight some in, a, in a place where he knows the terrain and I don't, it's an advantage for him. Right now, it's an advantage for him. I don't have the infrastructure to train, and he does. Um, so you need to be compromised on both sides that makes the, the, the fight even. So the fighting, it's very complicated. I, love, I know a lot of people are very more, oh, yeah, it's not only a fight game. In this game, if you want to live long and, 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 and uh, make a career out of it, you need to, to play chess, you know? So uh, I, I just received the news, so I need to think about it. Chestnut checkers. Uh, but we it get doesn't it. mean that you will ask me to fight. It does not mean. That's not what he says. So we still speculate and... and we don't know. I didn't. I, not, I did not receive any phone calls yet. And Dana's good at that. We we all understand that. And and both Sid and I. I'm playing with the. He knows. They're they're smart guys. You know. Right. But I remember back to to covering you and and I heard the word legacy come out of your mouth often. And you know when we when we go through who is the greatest MMA fighter of all time, some say John Jones. There's baggage there. Um, if you beat Khabib, I don't think anyone could argue that you are the greatest of all time. Does that motivate you? Nah, there's, it's always subjective. There, there, there were always people that will say this person is, the other person is. That depend for which reason. You know, they, they, I believe being the greatest of all time, it depends for which reason you want it. You know, if you look at the guy that, for me, I, I accomplished the, the, the most incredible thing is Royce Gracie. The guy that faced the most adversity is John Jones. The person that is the most well-rounded well could be uh, Dimitrius Johnson. The most flamboyant, maybe Anderson Silva. It depends, you know. It, it's a subjective thing, you know. And then being the greatest of all time, being the baddest man on the planet does not exist. There was... There will always be someone who got your number, or someone who will beat you at any given moment. You know, you you 
you wink, you you blink, you make a mistake, boom, the whole thing falls. Like, 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 you know what I mean? So it's just a fugazi, you know what I mean? <laughs> but as a person, as a competitor, I love I love to this to compete for that fugazi for sure. <laughs> so George, just I want to clarify a couple things. One, I get the impression you were offered Khabib a year and a half to two years ago. Is that no, accurate? Never been offered, and we 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 tried to make that fight happen two years ago, and it fell. UFC told us that they were not interested. They had other plan for Khabib. And when Khabib, before Khabib took his retirement, I, I, I was not offered Khabib. But like everybody else, I was doing the French broadcast, and I thought he would call me out and it would pressure the UFC to finally accept and make organize a fight. You know. But still, it doesn't mean I would have taken. I would have to be in a, in a catch weight where I want it, in a, in a situation. Now, the COVID, everything, I'm going to have to think about if If it comes up, I will have to think about it. But uh, if I do, if I do accept it, it's because I, I, I'm going to win and, I, and I'm going there for, for, for the win, for the legacy, for the, the big thing. That is Because you know this guy... You good yeah. for everybody for it oh, needs for to sure. be good for Khabib it needs to be good for me it needs to be good for the UFC and the fan because you know this guy thinks he's a better wrestler than you you know that right it's okay it's it's he, he can think what he wants it's it's a mixed martial art fight uh you know what I mean were you offered the John Jones fight at all over the last year to 18 months John, John Jones yes John Jones is uh, he's a different weight class. He's uh, he's he's now he's going to fight in a heavyweight division. But I'm saying a 205, even at a 205-ish fight, that that was never a possibility. Never maybe. You. Uh, I'm <laughs> no, he's competing at, at light heavyweight. I'm competing in welterweight and middleweight. And uh, now we talk about Khabib, who's a light. You know what I mean? It's a different yeah. weight class. Okay, sorry. Just it's just the the fan in me just running amok, thinking of George St. Pierre matchups. <laughs> right, I'll pull back. I'll pull back. Go when ahead, you Tony. see competing with people of different weight class, sometimes when you make allusion to the, this sort of competition, is a competition for legacy, so to speak. It's a, it's not really a competition directly into a fight. It's a competition of of uh, of legacy. Like that, that's what it. That's what is. That's what it is. Like like Demetrius Johnson, John Jones. Anderson Silva, uh, you know what I mean? All these guys, Fedor, Manialenko, Henry Seujo, uh, Dominic Cruz, all these guys, you know, like, like and there's uh, Jose Aldo, Conor McGregor for a lot of people, you know, Khabib Nurmagomedov is one of them as well, you know. We're all competing to the eyes of, of all the fans. Some pick some more than others. And it's like a... A kind of a competition, you know what I mean? But it's not a fight, you know, it's, it can't be a fight. Uh, the hashtag Budweiser set this up for us is Team Zero. JoinTeamZero.com is the website. Uh, as Sid said off the top of this, uh, George, still one of the greatest athletes this country has ever produced. Fight or no fight, it is awesome to catch up with you. Thank you very much for doing this. Thank you, guys. Take good care of stay healthy. George, uh, the tweet's already rolling in as we're talking to George St. Pierre. Um, we got about, I think, 
eight minutes here. So. Yep, sounds about right. Yeah, eight minutes. Uh, we got a hard out. We got the network out for Hockey Central. <laughs> the network out. <laughs> Derek writes in and says, "This is a great George St. Pierre segment. I'm fired up watching him get fired up. He's got the fire still in him." There's there's juice there. Uh, I, you don't have to be some fighting expert not to recognize that in that conversation. At 39 years of age. And you know what, Tim? I, I wondered, because it's been a few years now since Bisping, and I wondered whether or not that fire is still there. Uh, after that conversation, I, I no longer wonder with George St. Pierre. Does that fire ever leave a fighter, though? Depends on how the last fight ended, I guess. I don't know. Like if you if you keep getting your clock cleaned, I think your fire is different. I think George I think George's real issue here, and he says it's one of the phrases from George I'll always remember because he he's so cognizant of it is legacy. And if you're him, like there's 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 different reasons to fight a guy like Khabib Nurmagomedov who's undefeated at 155, beat Conor McGregor, clean out the division. Why do you do it? Money. You do it for money. To build on that legacy and make that legacy bulletproof, which it virtually is now. Like, how much more bulletproof can you get? Well, if you beat, if you're George yeah, St. Pierre, that's why I brought up the goat. That's why I bought, brought up the greatest of all. And I thought his answer was great. <laughs> Never mind that he said fugues. But <laughs> the the <laughs> the the answer is someone will always find a hole. But I guarantee you, and I don't know if you can disagree with me, but if he beat Khabib, it's a wrap. He moves to number one on yeah. all those lists. Listen, I, I know full well uh, there are people who won't put John Jones at the top of that list because For of the P- PED stuff yeah. and, the, and, other, and the other stuff. In my, in my mind... Forget, forgetting what happened before you went in the ring, forgetting how your pee was, I've never quite seen someone like John Jones in my life. And I know it's tough to forget the other stuff, but I think it's like Jones just to me, just above George, just above Khabib, just above Anderson. So, like that's the world he's living in. But you're right. If you go out and beat Khabib and give him his first loss... Wow. From a payday standpoint, but to what you're at saying. 39. From, from, at 39, you are the best fighter in the history of MMA. There is no discussion after that, to your point. I think that's also very much in play. How much? How, how important is it to him? We're going to find out. We're going to find out. Uh, Chris writes in and says, Man, is it great seeing Georges St. Pierre on the show. Love his honesty and transparency. A true Canadian legend. One can only hope we see him in the octagon again. Um, JJ writes in and says, if GSP can get Khabib back in the octagon, that's all Dana cares about. The money will flow. And I think when, when, when he brought, when I brought up Dana and he said, Dana's smart, which he is. Yes. Which that's a big part of this, right? Is Dana has got, he's got his, uh, (laughs) his spatula and oh, he is, I didn't, didn't know what you yeah. were holding there for a second. Didn't know what you were holding. <laughs> uh, be, be big regardless. Uh, he's, he's stirring the pot, is he not? Like he knows more, what's it, going but it's on. But more, it's more than just stirring. Initially, there's you need you need to plant those seeds or stir the pot or however you want to phrase it. Yes. Like Dana knows when you have a difficult fight to put together, 
there are stages to it. And, and quite frankly, social media and, and guys that you, you and I know, like Ariel Helwani and some great journalists in that sport, if, if there's stuff that starts to get out there, it can really turn a fighter in, into the direction where Dana business-wise wants him or her to go right. the more you read stuff, right? And there are, there are fighters that are just very transparent, and if you talk junk once on Twitter, like, they want your ass. It's done. They want to fight you. <laughs> yeah. But but this George Khabib thing is very different. You have two fighters who think the game very differently. Khabib's yes. in a different headspace anywhere. He just recently lost his dad. Right. But he has his own legacy, too. Like, I can make the argument to you, why does Khabib have to fight, too? What the hell else does he have to prove? But the reverence, the reverence that wrestlers mm. still have for George St. Pierre, Tim, is undeniable. Undeniable. <laughs> And when you clean out a division like that, and you talk, if you hypothetically said, George, I want George, that's the respect level GSP carries. And as, as with all due respect to any McGregor matchup you can throw my way, they pale in comparison to that one. Pale in comparison. I chuckled because when you asked... You threw in there. He thinks he's a better wrestler than you. <laughs> um, May writes in and That's says, true. yeah, I, th- I think we'll get GSP versus Khabib. See how low-key GSP also wants this fight? Question mark. Uh, Pat writes in and says, hey, George St. Pierre, never thought I would say this, but nice do. Now take the fight. <laughs> <laughs> the hair is still shocking to me. I can't get, I can't me get too. I'm not going to lie. I hope and, he gets the part. What, what was it? What G-Mac? was the role again? Like an annoying friend? That was the audition? Obnoxious friend, yeah. Obnoxious friend. I can, give, I can give him some tips if he wants. I can give him some tips. <laughs> I know the feeling. The obnoxious guy <laughs> with the hair. Uh, G-Mac writes in and says, winner, versus, winner of Georges versus Khabib is undisputed greatest of all time. What in MMA is better than having goat status on the line? Best fight the planet can make. Crossing fingers. If I'm George... And you didn't ask, but if I'm George, I think I'm good. That's a risky fight. Like, think about it. And he was doing it. He was doing it like on air with us during the conversation. He's he's literally processing while we're going through it. Risk reward. What are we talking about here? His 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 legacy is cemented. What happens if he loses that fight, which is one of two outcomes? Nothing. To George's legacy, really? Yeah, I don't think it at 39 if he lost the best guy in the business undefeated, I don't know how much it hurts his legacy. Like I know if he gets pounded, if he looks old, like all of it won't it won't sit well in your stomach, but I don't know if it hurts his legacy. And uh, this comp- it's unfair because I did that with 10 seconds left in the segment. <laughs> no, but we'll continue it on the radio side on, on the Sportsnet app and Sportsnet 590 the fan coming up. Uh, Hockey Central next. Our radio show continues. After this. Still lots of feedback from our conversation with George St. Pierre, one of this country's greatest athletes of all time. Todd writes in and said he's first class all the way, all the time. Uh, probably an underrated part of what George brings to the table. And, and I don't want to tell tales else out of school, but to go to that point, not only was he like right on time for the conversation, which is hit and miss, mm-hmm. but he, he had set an alarm in his phone to be on time for said conversation he was already on time for. <laughs> yes. Like, I know it doesn't sound like a lot, but, like, he can big time us. Like, he's five minutes late. Who cares? It's George St. Pierre. But that's yeah. not how George has ever been. And, Tim, I've dealt with him for, like, 15 years. 
He's never been like that. He's been one of the most professional guys ever. And uh, I want, I hope nothing but the best for him going forward, whatever he decides. Uh, we'll get to a bunch more of your tweets, so keep them coming. At Tim and Sid, uh, our next guest is waiting patiently so we won't make him wait. Uh, Brian Burke joins us now. Burke, are you much, I mean, I know you love your truculence. Are you much of a combat sports guy, boxing, MMA? Yes. Would you, would you be into Georges St. Pierre with the legacy that he has going back into the octagon at 39 or 40? Well, I'd worry about his health, that's all. I I saw him in a title fight in Montreal when I was right when I was running the Leafs right afterwards. Remember talking to Mark Bergman, he got me into their special private lounge there, but we had great seats. A buddy of mine worked for the UFC, worked for me with the Ducks. And I was like in the third row. <clears throat> Excuse me, so it was like uh amazing and he got dropped. I'm trying to think of the fighter he fought. He got dropped with a roundhouse kick in the third round and came back. He was totally totally out of it for a few minutes, but fought his way back in and won the fight. And then he was at the Calgary Stampede probably three, four years ago. I play in a celebrity poker tournament there every year. They brought him in as a celebrity. I, I thought I was enough of a draw, but they brought him in. <laughs> and, um, and I got to meet him. He's a, he's a little wee guy. He's a tidy he's, but guy. But he's wide. But, but he is wide. And you're looking at a guy who's six inches shorter than you or eight inches shorter than you who could kill you in about 12 seconds. <laughs> he was very he was gracious. Um, yeah. he, he, was, he was charming. He was Some of those celebrities show up and they kind of go at it kind of half-assed and he was shaking everyone's hand and po fo posing for selfies and he could not have been more gracious. Some, you just know when people have it, right, Berkey? Like it is different. Yeah. You can't define it, but you know when you see it, right? Yep. Fantastic. Um, so, so, so again, I just... Too, uh, I'll tell you another story. Go I ahead. Was, go I, ahead. In, I went to yeah. Kandahar, and we were scheduled to leave Camp Mirage on a scheduled flight. And the, voodoo, the, the Voodoos were there, the, the, the Quebec Regiment. And um, the Vandus, sorry, the Vandus, not the Voodoos, the Vandus. And we were scheduled to leave, and General Natinchuk, uh, the fight was just to come on. And we're totally time zones away, and... And all the French Canadian soldiers are like, General, we got to watch the fight. And General Tinchik <laughs> said, "Hold the plane." And <laughs> we watched the fight, <laughs> and then get on the get on the Hercules, the C-120, to fly out of uh, out of Camp Mirage. That I'm like, I'm not the biggest uh, UFC fan out there, but I watched George fight in Montreal, and the atmosphere was unlike many things that I've seen in my life. And I've gone, I've been to Super Bowls. I've been to a lot of things in my life, and that the electricity in that building was like palpable. Yeah, he, he was an amazing entertainer, like great fighter. But you can be a great fighter and be boring, and he wasn't boring. He was exciting. He was interesting and great appeal to the fans and good guy. Like I say, I don't know him, but met him and but it saw him fight in a title fight and a fight that he easily could have lost and he just willed his way to a victory. I was impressed. He, um, and he didn't have many of those. Like that was a rare night for you to be there. Like he usually, you know, it was kind of the final was five rounds to nil normally if he went, had to go the distance. But I was, I was there one night where he fought Josh Koscheck many years ago and Koscheck was the best heel I've ever seen. He pissed off 
the entire city of Montreal and like I've ever seen anyone <laughs> do it. Because I think they had an ultimate fighter season leading up to it. And caught, after the fight, George gets on the mic and he says, uh, he was just selling the fight. Don't kick his ass, guys. He's a good guy. <laughs> Leave him alone. Like he's literally telling the Bell Center to just back off. Such as the power of George in that city in that moment. Just he's it's just a lot of class moments with him. So I hope I hope if he decides to jump back into this, it's for the right reasons. Definitely. Yeah, and you get to in our jobs, you get to do some cool stuff and meet some cool people. He's on that list. Yeah, for sure. Without a doubt. For sure. Brian Burke joining us here on Tim and Sid. Uh, he's of the NHL on sports. So what? Last night was a lot of fun. Uh, they were sloppy at times, but, man, did I enjoy just watching the hockey. Um, what was your biggest takeaway from night one in the NHL? Well, I always look at the new guys. Uh, I watch the new guys. Wayne Simmons' immediate impact. Uh, Joe Thornton, I thought, had a social game, but uh, that's to be expected. You know, no training camp, new team, even though he'd been playing overseas. Uh, and I love Joe, and he's a wonderful young man, not a young man anymore, but wonderful guy. Younger than um, you, man. I thought TJ Brody was fine. Uh, I thought Barabanov was fine. Like, considering, again, no training camp, no preseason games, and all new teammates, uh, I thought they were good. On the Canadian side, I thought Josh Anderson was excellent. I thought Romanov was really good. He had four shifts he'd like to have back where he's kind of running around, but he was really good. Uh, the Leafs refused to lose. They were down several times. It was an exciting game. It was fun to broadcast. Brian Burke here on Tim and Sid. What type of Nylander are we going to see Berkey in this 56 games or so? Well, last night, the first goal he scored, it was a face-off play, and he popped off the wall. The shot wasn't there, so he passed over and then got it back and wired it. Shot off his back foot, like so he got no weight behind the shot. And it was a seeing-eye shot. It wasn't. He didn't blow it by Carey Price. Carey Price never saw it, but still impressive. But the second goal, like, that's a goal on any goaltender who's ever played in the National Hockey League. That's a goal in any league and anywhere on the planet. And, you know, he looked him off. He looked Price off like he was going to pass and then just wire it like an unstoppable puck and a nice assist to boot. Um, and then the rest of the game, now, so you're watching like a GM, like with a critical eye, you're like, Hardly noticed the rest of the game, but three points, you know, like you can't argue with that. Hit three points. The uh, you, you mentioned Simmons, and when he when he was doing the rounds on all of the shows once he was signed, like I, I got a little worried that this was going to be David Clarkson, uh, where the hometown guy feels the immense pressure to do, um, you know, to bring the magic back to his city. And then he used the term functional toughness, and I was like, oh, I love that. In fact, I told him I was going to steal it because it's such a good term. And I thought that's what he brought to the game. He had some opportunities to score goals, too, yesterday. But, but the functional toughness and, and the fight with Chariot, I thought, like, this is what he was talking about. Did, did you see the same thing from him, that functional toughness? Yeah, he was an effective player last night. The fight was... Not a sideshow, but only part of what he contributed. Yeah. He was a presence on the power play. He was a net, fr net front presence. He's a good hockey player. And I think he was banged up last year, and we didn't really see the real Wayne Simmons. And then he got some rest and got to heal. And I think you saw last night, like, he's got a funny skating style. He's a loper. We call him a loper. A guy kind of lopes, long strides, kind of lopes. It's awkward looking. But he covers a lot of ice quickly. 
and he's not that big, but the three punches he threw at Ben Sherratt, he could have knocked him out with all three. Thank God they missed. Thank God he only landed one. But this is a guy, he wasn't fighting to fight. He was fighting to win that fight and beat that guy. And then when he knocked him down, he let him up. He could have hit him again. He didn't. Yeah. And then he got the bench going. Um, I think it was a turning point in the game. Now, I hear all the analytics people are saying fights don't change games and they can prove it empirically. I can tell you for a fact that changed the game last night. And uh, most Leafs postgame agreed with you. Brian Burke here on Tim and Sid. Yeah, everybody um, in the room said it. Every, yeah, and, and really well, that's the most important never, thing, I guess. Guys who have never been on skates, they talk about stuff like this. That's the problem with analytics. <laughs> I said this earlier on a different radio show. So I block a shot. I'm killing a penalty in the first period. I block a shot, take it off the shin pad. I don't even feel it. It's a point shot. It goes out. It goes in whatever. I get credit for one block shot. Now with four seconds left in the game, I dive in front of a puck. I take 15 in the lip, lose two teeth. I get credit for one block shot. That's the problem with analytics. Brian Burke here on Tim and Sid. Um, the only other problem I saw last night, Burke, I don't know how the Leafs fix it, is I'd, if someone on that ice has to do something when Shea Weber and Ben Chirot decide they want to just test to see if Austin Matthews has a lower back. Like, that's, that's, that's a bit of a rough shift for me for a guy at that level of importance. And, and, and Wayne Simmons, God love him, he can't do all of it, right? Like, it's going to be, this team is going to have to learn to have a couple of guys who are willing to step in and say, no mas, uh, can't do, and Austin can do it for himself, obviously, but I, I, I felt like the Leafs have stages they still have to go to to be that more grittier team. God love Wayne Simmons in his fight. Well, one tough guy, again, I'm, people say I'm a dinosaur, and I don't think I am. I don't want to go back to when I played and then there were six, seven fights a night and three-hour games. I don't want to do that. I don't want to go back to what we had. And the changes that have been made that have reduced the role of fighting and, and fighting as a tactic, I support those. But there are too many nights where I watch teams play. I don't think I saw a major penalty for fighting with the Leafs till like game 35 last year or something, something crazy. And in my mind, it's part of what we do. It's part of our game. And this is my beef with the roster construction issue. So you look at Wayne Simmons. I love the guy. But Wayne, they, say, they keep saying they added Wayne Simmons. They didn't add Wade Simmons. They replaced Kyle Clifford. They had a legitimate heavyweight candidate in Kyle Clifford who could play a little bit. They just didn't play him enough. They should have kept Kyle and added Wade because Wayne is brings that element. He can play. They both can play. But having one guy that's tough in your lineup, that's not good enough if you're, if you're going to get faced with that. Now, last night, I don't think the first cross-check was a penalty. The second one was. And no one wants Austin Matthews fighting his own battles. You know, he breaks his hand in a fight, then we're all idiots, right? Correct. Someone's got to do that job for him. We don't want him policing his own space. Someone has to do that, and I don't think they have that guy on the team. They got Zach Hyman, who I love and tries, but he, no one's afraid of Zach Hyman. They're afraid of him on the forecheck and the other things he does well, but not in a fight. Do do and I, I agree with you. Do you think Jeff Jackson went to Twitter and or basically said, uh, listen, we gotta protect our stars. The NFL protects the quarterbacks. Do you believe you've worked in the Department of Player Safety? Do you believe in that? Well, I respect Jeff Jackson. I, I think it's pretty early in the year at game one to start whining about officiating, but <laughs> I think he had a point on the second cross-check. The second cross-check was unnecessary. should have been a penalty. 
But the first one, I think, is part of defending the crease. You want to go stand there, you're going to get cross-checked. If you don't want to get cross-checked, stand three feet away. You stand right in front of the goalie, guess what? You're saying to the defenseman, you've got to move me or the goalie won't see the puck. So to me, I will tell you this. I believe, and I was the referees. I was in charge of refereeing for five years. Now, when I say that, I was head of hockey operations. Brian Lewis was the real head of officials, but it, they reported to me, and I went to training camp with them. There are two sets of rules. The referees will say, "No, no, we call it the same for everyone." The stars already get a layer of protection that other players don't get. If I get hit from behind, it's probably not a penalty. Austin Matthews hits from behind; it's a penalty. So they already get a layer of protection. Jeff's right that they deserve a layer of protection, but I believe they already get that now. Like I remember when I was in Vancouver, we played Detroit in the playoffs, and I met with the team and I told them, I said, we're going to have to kill one more penalty a night than they are. No matter how the game is played, they're going to get the benefit of at least one call. We have to be prepared for that. And we didn't mind that because Detroit was an elite team, and we're like, we're a 100-point team. Once we're elite, we'll get that call. We got those calls in Anaheim. We got those breaks because we were an elite team. So you do get a break, and the elite players do get a break. I think Jeff's talking about a bigger break, which I wouldn't support. That's all about having the right people on the ice so that your stars don't get abused. That's why Josh Anderson got a seven-year deal of $5 million a year, whatever he got, in, in Montreal, because he can fight. Brian Burke here on Tim and Sid. Um, Berkey, it was it was a very interesting to see the reactions of two head coaches last night in relation to similar types of defensive performances. Sheldon Keefe did not want to get into his team's defense last night. It was pretty obvious after the game. He said, one game, I'm not going to nitpick. Uh, Dave Tippett went on a sermon about things that did not go right in their own end. Now, I don't, I'm not saying either is wrong or either is right. I just find the contrast really interesting on night one with no preseason games or exhibition games who do you whose whose reaction surprised you the most of Tippett and Keith well you got to know your room you have to know what your room can take like like if you've got a team that can take a verbal beating you can pull that off like Columbus Torts does it routinely because he knows his room he knows he's talking to his players he's not trying to stir up the crowd or the media he's talking to his players and I think Tip made the decision last night, I'm talking directly to my players, not good enough. They got out work last night. And it's when you lose because of skill, like I said this earlier too, when I was a GM, I could accept a loss. We played a good team, we lost, I could accept that. As long as we played well. I worried about how we played rather than the result. Now if I'm Sheldon Keefe last night, I don't like how we played five on five. I thought Montreal was a better team five on five. Then they got penalty trouble. Leafs were good. Leafs took full opportunity of their advantages. They cash in a two on one in overtime. Good for them. Well done. But if I'm looking at the tape today and I'm Sheldon Keefe, I'm like five on five. I'm not sure we were good enough. And if I'm Claude Julia, I'm looking at the tape. I'm like, you know, we weren't that bad. And high scoring games in both of the first two games, you'll see more tonight. You're going to have some sloppy hockey where the goalies aren't sharp yet and the players aren't sharp yet system-wise because they had a six-day training camp and no preseason games. So as we go forward, because players hate training camp, we've always been battling with the PA on what the proper length of training camp is. Let's all agree it's 14 days. Six days isn't enough. And let's all agree we need a couple of preseason games because that, that's HRR too. That's, that's money that's split between the owners and the players when they play preseason games. So right. let's play six and have camp go to 17 days. It puts revenue in, gives guys a chance to play. 
the big losers in this lack of preseason games, it wasn't just a lack of preparation. It's the young guys. They get their chance in a preseason game and maybe impress someone and maybe get a regular season game or make the taxi squad. Uh, Nose Hoglander looked pretty good, though. I'll say that uh, as a member of the Oh, boy. Uh, We got to go. It's always great catching up with you. Thanks, Um, Burger. Let's do this again soon, okay? Or next Thursday, as it were. Okay. Thanks, guys. Be well, man. See ya. There is uh, Brian Burke, who I just called man. Uh, 11 scheduled, 10 will be played tonight uh, as the Stars and Panthers has been postponed. The Canadian team's flames at Jets, as Sixero mentioned in the opening block. Uh, that might be an understated rivalry. <sighs> Tasty. When you think back to the way it ended last year for Mark Shifley and then the Jets, and then the Canucks and Oilers go back to back at 9 p.m. Eastern, 7 local. Uh, we're going to take a break, Tim. We have some massive coaching news from the National Football League coming your way. It's been rumored, but now it's done. And what does it mean for the league and maybe a kid like Trevor Lawrence? This is Tim and Sid, live on Sportsnet 590, The Fan, and streaming online and podcast. This is Tim and Sid on Sportsnet Radio. 590 The Fan in Toronto. Uh, Shad Khan, owner of the Jacksonville Jaguars, makes it official. Urban Meyer is who we want and need. A leader, winner, and champion who demands excellence and produces results. It is done in Jacksonville after a lot of rumors, Sydney, Do you like the hire? I think you have to. And and the only and the reason you have to like it, Tim. It, never mind the fact that he might get Trevor Lawrence out of Clemson, who some people think is the best quarterback prospect since Andrew Luck to come out of that draft. His record is what it is. University of Utah, twenty-two and two. He goes to Ohio State. He wins three national championships. All this guy does is win. At the college level, now we see another test. And with a young team rebuilding like this, maybe it's a college-ish type of coach like Urban Meyer who sat out for a few years that maybe they need. I know Trevor Lawrence will benefit from it. I can guarantee you that if he's the number one pick. So I, if you're, if you're Shad Khan and you're Jacksonville and you hope to one day you know, be the London Jaguars or whatever they call them, you got big plans for this team, right? Like you, Everyone needs to remember that. I know they're kind of a joke now, but uh, they have big plans. So I... I think this is a a no-brainer if you are an NFL. I, I, I'm usually wary of this kind of move, Tim, because we've seen a lot of flops try this. But Urban Meyer deserves this shot. I'm not willing to say he's going to flop. He's been too good his entire career. But I think people thought, and listen, Nick Saban wasn't Nick Saban when he went to the pros. Correct. Um, Correct. He ended up being Nick Saban. Steve Spurrier, uh, Chip Kelly. There, it, obviously, there have been guys who have flopped, but... Whenever we talk about this, people leave out the Pete Carrolls of the world, right? Like, he made the jump. Jim Harbaugh made the jump. Jimmy Johnson made the jump. Like, there are others who have done it and done it well. Uh, I think this is going to be really interesting, but I think underrated in all of this, Sid, is he's got the most cap space in the league. 11 draft picks, including two firsts, two seconds, 
and that first overall pick, which you and I both believe is Trevor Lawrence, even though Justin Fields may be Ohio State guy, Timmy. I don't know. Ohio State guy. We'll see if blood is thicker than water on that. I don't know. I don't know. But it's probably going to be Lawrence. And he's already got his running back. Like, James James Robinson Robinson. looked like the real deal. Yeah, Um, a lot of pulleys. A lot of pulleys will back you up on that, too. Hell of a year. Jacksonville, a lot of people think is like an armpit job. But when I just rattle off what they have going in, this is as good as you can get walking in to a spot in the NFL because you're going to be given a little bit of leeway and you've got cap space. He will be given every opportunity to succeed, unlike some others who take that job because it's one of 32. No, completely agree. If you're Urban Meyer, this is you map it out like this. This is your scenario. All that cap space, the top pick coming, you have control of everything, and the bar's been set pretty low in that market for a while. So for Urban Meyer, it's great. So that's now six openings left in the NFL. I hope Robert oh. Sala of, uh, of the 49ers, defensive coordinator, hopefully he gets one of them. I'm a big fan. The Jets seem to like him. We'll see where Doug Peterson lands, Timmy. There's still a lot of intrigue in this head coaching carousel, and we'll, we'll see how it plays out. So congratulations, Urban Meyer. Has Eric Bieniemy been hired yet? <sighs> Never mind. No. I'll be clear. But he's been interviewed, Tim. He's been interviewed. Mm-hmm. He's been interviewed. He has been interviewed. He has been interviewed. This was a fun one. Uh, I'm glad a lot of people got to uh, see and hear GSP. If you missed it, check it out on our social pages. It was an interesting conversation. Will he fight Khabib? Hmm. I say As yes. for us, we got one more. It's Friday tomorrow, and uh, we'll be here for it. Thanks for joining us. As always, remember, kids, please, in these times, don't forget. Always wash your hands, man. Keep them clean. Washing your hands. Gotta stay at home in Ontario now. Just wash your hands a lot.